0: I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hey, hey, hey guys, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. I am your host, Aaron, and we are back. Another Monday with another very special guest. I am taking this back to my roots in Columbus, Ohio, where I was born and raised with a oh so kind CEO of the Beauty Boost. Rachel, I am so happy to have you on. Say hello to all the listeners. Hi, hey
1: guys. Excited to be here.
0: I read a little bit about your story. We engaged on social media, which was how I first got introduced to her. And I immediately pulled up her website and saw that she was in corporate world and had this side hustle for two years before she took it full time. Take us back to the very beginning. Was there a point in time that you were sitting at your corporate job feeling unfulfilled? And where did the idea for the beauty boost stem from?
1: Yeah, I'd say twenty four seven every minute I was in corporate, I felt unfulfilled. Um, I didn't start until like my—I think like I'm really bad at timelines, but roughly like twenty seven ish, mid to late twenties, I would say is when I started it. So I had, and I was kind of like a—the longest I stayed in a job was probably two years. So I had quite um, a bit of build up. I worked for what I think most people would consider pretty decent jobs. I worked for L Brands, which was headquartered here in Columbus. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is arguably like, you know, a great cause. Um, I worked for an event planning company. I worked for nonprofits, just a bunch of dabbling. And all of them, I honestly like enjoyed my coworkers. I had decent benefits. Uh, my salary ranged quite a bit, but overall it was like fine for the lifestyle I had. There was nothing really wrong, but I never enjoyed sitting at a desk all day. And I hated having the- into like corporate hours and this was well before I think even the word freelance I had heard that um, it was well before remote work and things like that were so common and normal and so I really never enjoyed um, I always felt guilty but I never enjoyed working for other people I just always knew I wanted to build my own lifestyle but I had zero idea where to start or what that would look like so Yes. So that was like, I always felt unsettled, but I wasn't really surrounded by anybody that was working for themselves or could relate. Um, And so I kind of suppressed that feeling for quite a bit of time. And, you know, I kind of was raised to, my family's very supportive, but I was just raised just like a lot of people were to go to college. It was never even thought about and then get a corporate job and then, you know, do a good job and try to work up. Um, So All that to say um, how it started was one day my friend Kim White, who we had met at a prior corporate job, we had remained in touch. uh, This was before Instagram was even invented uh, to date you guys back. And she had put up a Facebook post that she had just gotten her life coaching certification and was looking for a pro bono student. I didn't really know what life coaching was, but I just like to be a guinea pig for anything free. So I raised my hand. I was like, I'll do it. Um, and that was really what started everything. We met at a coffee shop over the course of a couple of months. And she really opened my eyes and ears to asking me a lot of questions that now seem like so crazy to me that people don't consider. But then I had never asked myself, like, what's my ideal day? What do I want out of life? What are my What am I good at? What do I I dislike about my corporate job, et cetera? And um, during that time with coaching with her, I also got my yoga certification thinking I would never teach because originally I thought I'd have a brick and mortar yoga studio. Um, And I also love Marie Forleo. I don't know if you or anybody listening follows her, but I went through her six week B school. I kind of considered doing grad school I'm so glad I did it. Um, her B-School was geared towards people who want to start and own their own business. And I still use a lot of the content. So I was kind of like dabbling in all those little pieces all at the same time.
0: It's funny because a lot of what you're saying resonates with me. And this is a lot of the reason why I interview people like you, because I think I've come from a family where no one in my family was entrepreneurs. And so I didn't really know what that was. And I was blessed with a mentor that came into my life out of the blue and opened my eyes to it. But it's similar to you in the sense that you don't even really, you know that something isn't fitting, but you just don't really know where to go. It's like, what's the next step? So Where did the beauty boost come? Where did that idea come from? Was there a passion that you always had? And that's where the idea stemmed from? Or did you find a problem in your everyday life where give the audience a little bit of background on? Not
1: not really to either. I think it's really overwhelming and hard to know what you want to do. I started from more of a selfish standpoint, knowing I just did not want to live the way corporate structure was like if i wanted to go back to wheeling west virginia and visit my grandma and work remote on a friday i didn't understand why i couldn't do that if i wanted to leave the office and go work out midday and then return or if i got my work done great why can't i leave or other days i might need to work longer i just did not believe in the rule i'm not really a rule person in general so i just didn't believe in that kind of structure and rules of our society um so it started from there when i was meeting with kim no, I did not know like, oh, I just want to help women and blah, blah, blah. But I knew from my past many jobs that I loved being busy. I loved dipping my hands in a lot of pots. I always had freelance jobs while working my corporate jobs too, because I would be done and get bored. So I would literally double dip to make more money and pay off my college loans. And so I knew I I um I knew I was good with people. I knew I loved event planning. And it was in around 2015, at least in Columbus. There wasn't a lot of this female, the word empowerment wasn't, you know, all over the place, girl boss, girl gang, um, wasn't thrown around and there wasn't really a lot of outlets for female meetups. And around that time, I also was hearing from a lot of women who were maybe in a bad relationship. They also didn't know what they wanted to do with their life. They were, they were having trouble making friends after college. I just kept hearing like these different life similarities and, Um, also like I was researching retreats just for myself to go on and I could not find anything in Ohio at that time beyond like a yoga teacher training, silent meditation retreat. So I would say the timing really worked out and I did not know exactly the beauty boost then isn't what it was now. It's always evolving, but I knew enough from the training, from the coaching with Kim that I wanted to help women and I wanted to do it like through events and experiences. I didn't know it necessarily how to put that into words. Um, I would say I like to dabble and do a lot of things, but I'm not like skilled in any one particular thing. Like I didn't know how to build a website and I really didn't want to learn. I'm really good at delegation. Um, so basically from the end of that, I knew it a little enough and I had a past designer from L Brand to create my logo. I had a past high school guy. We met up at a McDonald's in Wheeling, West Virginia, put my site together um, and it was enough. I started with one retreat that I co-did it with a friend, and I remember we profited four hundred dollars and we thought that was so awesome. But really, what that retreat taught us with about thirteen women was like how much change came into their lives and how much they needed it, and that was really eye opening. And so from there that first year, I really focused on trying to over deliver, do a lot for free get the name out there, let women experience it, take feedback, grow emails, and just kind of learn myself. It was great because I still had my corporate job. So, you know, I wasn't bringing millions of dollars, but I was like fine financially that I didn't have to rely or be stressed out about making this super profitable.
0: I like how you touched a little bit on much it's evolved I think it's a key point for people to understand and learn from because this is something that when I first launched the podcast to where it is now completely different will you just elaborate from your experience whether it's challenges that you had in the evolution uh, and maybe advice that you would give for people if they're stuck on an idea but maybe it's not working and how to pivot based on your audience and who your clientele is Mm Hmm.
1: Um, Well, I think the Marie Forleo six-week B-School training really, really helps you kind of nip some of that in the butt. Um, She talks about, you know, is it a hobby versus a business, knowing your um, niche audience, like knowing who your customer avatar is, a lot of what I would consider the basics, but I think a lot of like local small businesses or small businesses in general don't do these main steps, which could really help you down the road if you just do those. Even if you pivot and tweak and adjust core foundation will not change from at least from my experience um, so even though it's evolved tweaked adjusted changed who we're speaking to today is still the exact same woman we were speaking to seven years ago um, you know a lot of like what we're trying to accomplish is still the same as what i was trying to accomplish seven years ago it just looks a little different it's more i guess polished and tightened up but i i think um, some people can get once you you just got to start. And if you don't know where I you know have a lot of things I would suggest. But I remember also meeting with like a mentor type person. His name's Adam from the Wonder Jam. He owns a marketing company with his wife called the Wonder Jam. And he was like, Rachel, it's OK if your website has like misspellings and not blah, blah, blah. You just have to put it out there and start doing. And I was like, really, it's going to look so sloppy. Like I don't have my life together. And He's like, it doesn't matter. Just do it. So I had a lot of people at that time, too, that were um, that I was seeking out and then they were helping me kind of get over, I guess, some of those beliefs that you have to know it all. So I really just learned as I went. And the more and more I work with local businesses and big businesses, whatever, I think everybody's doing that. I think nobody is at least anyone I've ever talked to doesn't is not like yep, this is exactly what I want to build. And here we go. And I know how to do it all. And you know, everybody's learning as they go and doesn't really know what they're doing.
0: Will you give some of the tips that you just alluded to for starting a business? Because I had a guest on a few weeks ago and she said the hardest part is starting, which I think for some people is the biggest hurdle. That hasn't been my biggest hurdle, but there could be a lot of people that resonate with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so if I thought of it as like a pie chart, there's different slices of the pie. And I don't know if any one is more important than the other. So to me, they kind of all go together. But I mean, these might sound cliche, or you might have heard them or read them in a self-help book, but that's why they're repeated. So one, I would say surrounding yourself with people that are doing the same thing. It doesn't have to be like the same line of work, but they are living life on their terms. If you want to be an entrepreneur, or they started a business. So for me, that meant like the Wonder Jam again was putting on um some meetup events and the content was fine, like it was great, but more so I was going to see who was there and meeting those people. Um and then joining a co-working space was like really life-changing for me, something I never thought I would do. I was like, I'll just work out of a coffee shop. <laughs> but it was the people I was around that really helped. So putting yourself around those people, um I would say not really setting boundaries and not sharing your idea or what you're doing with people that are just going to bring you down and say like, I don't know. A lot of times like people that really care about us are the ones that kind of like family. They might say like, I don't know. I think you should stay like you have this great salary and blah, blah, blah. So you just have to maybe shut off that kind of conversation with people. Um, Next would be like getting your mind right. I always say I did like a one year mental cleanse. So I just tried to like be a sponge and soak in as much stuff as I could. So I there's it's all free. Like I would just listen when I was getting ready for work to a 10 minute free video from Marie Forleo. um, Or there's so many great podcasts now. So listening to that kind of content all the time or if you like to read, you know, a book like Jim Sincero, you are a badass or that kind of stuff. It could be more fluffy and feel good, or it could be more tactical, whatever you like, but just like really trying to shape the health of your mind um, and kind of that fake it till you make it vibe. But I think that's so important because you're only as good as your mindset. We're all like, you know, other people have certain privileges, other people don't, but there's people that come from nothing and build a life. So I really think it's, You're as limited or as set up by your mindset. And then um, third, I think getting a coach is so huge. The right coach. So coaches are like all over the place. There's life coaches that that are like, what do I do with my life? And then there's business coaches that might be like, okay, here's how you set it up. Price-wise, they're all over the place. But if you could just, I think the accountability is really helpful in just talking through things. Or some people are part of like a mastermind group. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the key foundational things. And then, um, there's probably like just free content now too, that you can, there's people, Oh shoot. Her name was like Aaron on demand. I think on YouTube, he teaches a lot of like how to set up things and, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's so much free content, but it's like who packaged it the way you need and put it together. And I think that's why coaches can be helpful. Um, other people that are pretty well known is Jenna Kutcher, and she's really great at like some key basics of of getting started um, with your business. So that's where I would start,
0: yeah, it's challenging. And I think every business has when you're starting, I mean, for me, I kind of had the mindset, and I heard this on a podcast like launch fast and adjust. And I think there was a a part of me that wishes I had a little bit more set in stone now looking back and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but I do think it's good advice because I tell people all the time, I always hear people in at work say that they want to do something like I'm miserable in my corporate job and I want to do this and I have this idea. And then I ask them six months later and I'm like, so what have you done about it? And they're like, well, nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, your outcome is never going to change if you never start. So I do see how the hardest I part... Feel- I sort of
1: feel like that's bad advice. Launch fast and adjust. Like, I, I think I understand what they're trying to say, but there's got to be like somewhere in the middle. Like you said, like you can't just like, you know, you want to set yourself up for success and not failure because it's already so hard. So, yeah, I think having that key foundation first, but then, yes, yeah, not just staying like in the reading self-help books, everyday phase, you got to start doing
0: It definitely is a balance. And I know I challenge, I don't know if you listen to the Skinny Confidential, but it was Lauren and Michael Bostick that said that. And it was interesting coming from such successful people, but I challenged it in someone that's on their team. Her and I kind of had a back and forth conversation because she took their advice. And I'm like, yeah, but when you think about, like you could launch something, but if you don't have a lot of the basics and like the fundamentals down, you're just going to fail. Like it's not going to go anywhere and then you're going to get deterred. So I just kind of thought, I think, it's good to have a base of like, this is what I want to do. You're not going to know all the details. Like that's where you figure out. But if you're not doing, you'll never get there. But I also think it's good to really have some sort of, that's like one thing I regret. Now I look back, I'm like, that's the worst advice I've ever taken. <laughs> <laughs> and to take a step
1: backward for people that are just like, yes, I want to do something, but I have zero idea what it is. That's when I would say like coaching you can be helpful. But also if you're just like, I don't even know right now, just I tell people just to like either journal it or put it in a notes app on your phone. Pay attention for like three weeks and write down everything that like lights you up. As dumb as it, if it, even if it doesn't make sense, it could be like walking my dog in the morning, going to yoga, being creative today at work, working with people, whatever. And I think that kind of stuff can start to be helpful.
0: It's putting what you're thinking to paper, and that's where my podcast stem from, and. When did you know that it was time to take the plunge full time into the beauty boost from the corporate world? Was it, did you hit a financial goal or how did you know it was time to say, hey, I'm putting full time into my passion?
1: Yeah, I'm like really, um, I I have paid for everything my whole life. Like I've worked since I was 15. I put myself through college. So, And I'm single or I'm not married. So for me, like financials have always been very top of mind. And so I've always been very cautious of that. Um, whereas on the flip side, like my friend Kat owns a meal prep company called Lux and Lemons. And she just straight up quit her corporate job and like went all in. And it's very successful. So people have done it that way too. And it's been fine for them. She's a big risk taker. She's she's tried a lot of things and some have been good and some have been bad, but she's learned from them and continued to grow the business that way. Um, but for me, I'm um, on the other side of that, I've been much more slow steps so uh, while i was working corporate after that first year it's kind of like a um what's this called a scale a seesaw (laughs) yeah it's a seesaw so like while my while the beauty boost was growing um i wasn't ready to leave corporate but my corporate job i traveled a lot and we were starting to butt heads where he would throw on a travel trip and i'd be like i can't go i had the beauty boost event that week so it was time to step aside from that so i got a Part time job, and I was teaching yoga, which was helpful because it kind of put me in the right audience, meeting studio owners, fitness instructors, and women coming to those classes. Um, It definitely was like an ego downer, and I went from a certain salary to making 50% of that, no benefits. Just telling people before I worked for a marketing agency where I traveled sounded a bit more glamorous. Um, But that was one of the most beneficial steps I ever took. And from there, Beauty Boost continued to grow pretty. And I wasn't there too long, like maybe six months. And then to a point where I felt financially, yes, I was hitting a financial goal. I basically just needed to make the same amount or roughly around that I was making there. Um, And I was still doing freelance jobs. So I still had like four freelance clients at all time. So with my yoga teaching, the freelance clients, and the Beauty Boost growing, I felt like, okay, I can step down from this part-time And then eventually another, whatever, six months passed. I was like, okay, I can take away a few freelance clients. And then until they eventually dwindled. And um, I still taught yoga for quite a number of years. I don't, not currently teaching at all, but um, that was my path. So it was built around a financial thing.
0: What advice would you give for people who are in the phase of, taking the leap or who are struggling with the in-between? Because I know for me, that's kind of where I'm at is how do you know? Do you think it's just knowing yourself or what advice would you give for people out there?
1: Yeah. um, Some people might disagree with this, but I would say 100% of the time, I don't think you can stay exactly comfortable and make a huge life change. You're going to have to give up something for a while or adjust. And I think that's a big thing I've heard women talk about that holds them back from stepping into another space that they would probably enjoy their lives much more, but they just are so scared. Like I was just on a trip with a girl that was a lawyer and she was so intrigued by what I do. And she was saying like, you know, gosh, I just would love to be creative. Like I have no idea what I want to do, but I know I'd love to own a jewelry company and make jewelry. I was like, so you do know. Um, but she was like, but I've already built up this life, like with my house, with this style of car I want, with the amenities. So I don't want to lose that. And I just want to say, like, well, you could downsize, you know, you could yeah. change your lifestyle to fit whatever. Um, so I think it's the in between is kind of like a bit of chance and risk, but also setting yourself up as much as you can. Um, You don't want to be like super financially stressed out, but you can cut out, you can look at your life and cut out certain things that you don't, what's a want versus a need. And knowing it's probably just going to be for a while. It's not forever. And it's going to be very uncomfortable and you are taking a risk. But I guess for me, I always ask myself, like, what's the worst case scenario? And for me, I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll pick up more yoga teaching classes. I'll pick up more freelance or I'll get another corporate job. The worst case.
0: Yeah, that's where my my mind's been and to what you alluded to when you, there's always an opportunity cost for anything. Even if you're just looking for another job, it's like there's always a risk that you have to take. And so it's just understanding, you know, what are my priorities? If this is something that you really want, you'll make those decisions to go after. And you touched a little bit about mindset and what are things that you do? Obviously you do yoga. I do yoga and teach yoga. What are things that you do to manage that being an entrepreneur and navigating fear? Because I think it's easy to say, think positively, but I want you to get tactical on things that you tell yourself or things that you tell your team when you're going through a hard time.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, we've grown a lot in the past year and a half, two years, and it's every day feel like a freaking roller coaster, like up and down, up and down. Something great happens, something bad happens, So I think it's just, um, for me, I just feel like I'm never, I'm always going to have fear. Like it's crazy to me when people say this, you know, I don't, I feel, I don't think you're ever going to go into every day and just be like, yep, I know exactly what I'm doing. Everything's great. I'm not worried about a single thing. Like I have an event next Sunday and I'm already feeling the stress of it, but I think it gets easier to move forward. Just that becomes more of your norm, your norm, um, again, feeling like a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit nervous, but also excited um, and remembering your why. So I always go back for me. I go back to my why. I always ask myself, what's a worst case scenario? Um, is this something my target audience wants? And what's the, you know again, what's the worst case that would happen? Or how could I pivot out of it? Should that worst case happen? Uh, does that answer your question?
0: Yeah. And in- With mindset, like, are there certain things that you do every day? Like, are you someone that I had a guest on that is like working out for me is that's how I do it. And for me, that's personally how it is. And I tell everyone that like, if I don't work out, I can't show up at work. So are there specific things that you would encourage people to do to help balance out the emotions that come with being running a successful business?
1: Yeah, that's why I said earlier. Like, I think the mindset thing is so important, and it just needs to be even stronger as you continue into your own journey. Um, Yeah, and figuring out what works for you. It doesn't have to be like listening to a listening to a podcast or reading a book where she wakes up at five a.m. and drinks her green juice and then does her sun salutations. Like, that's (laughs) just not for me. So, figuring out what works for you, what fuels you. I definitely know the things that drain me. Like you know, drinking too much or staying up too late um, or having too many um, quote unquote fun things to do on the weekend overwhelms me. So I know the things that bring me down. And then on the contrary, like you said, yes, what fuels me is definitely working out. That's really important for me. Um, Walking my dog um, in the morning or the evening, calling my best friends that I grew up with, visiting my grandma, um i love like creative work i'm sitting here with jasmine right now she is um fairly new but has done a ton with the beauty boost already and so like working with people energizes me um so i think you know and then i'm at a co-working space where like pretty much the 80% are doing this type of life so it's almost i'm i'm more so surrounded by this now than that person that does corporate life um and it's like, just so normal to me. It's almost hard for me to remember who I was like seven years ago. <laughs> like what my life was like before this.
0: What are like two to three of the biggest things that you've learned about yourself, both personally and professionally over the last seven years?
1: Ooh, good one. Um, I don't know if you follow like Enneagram tests. Yes. Or Enneagram- what are you? eight
0: okay same yeah. what's your zodiac sign i have a feeling a I know. a lot what of
1: business owners are um sagittarius
0: okay fire sign duh. i'm a leo so we're <laughs> the one thing i've learned about myself actually sometimes i sort of feel like a little bit of an outsider
1: because i'm just like that wouldn't hurt my feelings why does it hurt your feelings i'm very like go 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 boom 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 so for example my friend is a graphic designer years ago she knew me for years like she knows my personality um She sent me some designs. I just wrote back real fast. I was doing things on the email. No, don't like it. And she (laughs) texted me. She's like, Rachel, what the heck? Like that was super rude. So I just called her. I have no, I always tried to call somebody and like talk it out. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I definitely didn't mean to. I was just flying by. Like, let me explain more. So now I have learned that about myself, that not everybody thinks and operates in the same way that I do. And sometimes I need to fluff it up a bit or work with lots of different personalities. I would say I work with tons of different personalities and different things motivate obviously different people, but I've learned that more and more with our different cities we're in with the person that runs and owns it in each city. Um, So I've learned that. And then about myself, the great thing about what I do for a living, the beauty boost is we have one slice of the pie of our offerings, our empowerment workshops, and we team up with people. so. Um, just a couple weeks ago, we had a chat on manifestation from a manifestation coach. So I'm like literally surrounded by this stuff all the time. And I've learned so much through all of those kinds of chats and talks that's really helped me um, grow as a person in advance, I would say.
0: What are qualities as a leader that you think are most important? Because I think being an entrepreneur or owning your own business is one thing, but when you're building and growing a business, leadership is so important. And I have dealt with a lot of not so great leaders. So I'm interested to hear from your perspective, what are qualities that you see in leaders? And also too, for people listening to this, like if you're an aspiring leader or entrepreneur, hey, this is what it takes to be at the top.
1: Um, well, this is definitely something I struggle with this My job basically changed because for anyone listening, the beauty boost, you know, it was Columbus and I was running Columbus and putting on events. And then it was around year three, we started expanding to some close by cities, Cincinnati, Cleveland, they're like two hour drives, but we were in five cities a year and a half ago. And within a three month gap of time, we grew to 16 cities without actively trying. So My whole job is still running Columbus, but now it's like, bam, um, you know, making sure these women that are relying on me are successful and how to coach them and everybody's unique in their own way and what they're looking for and what they need. So that has been really challenging for me. And I don't like to be like the bad cop. I like to be everybody's friend, but I'm learning more and more for leadership. They need the more structure, the better, the more understanding, the expectations, the better Um, you can only lead from a space if you're in a healthy space yourself. So like, it's a lot more pressure. Sometimes I feel on me to make sure I'm walking the walk, Um, which is, can be good, you know? Uh, But what have I, I mean, I think what makes a good leader is somebody who listens, um, takes into account what that person needs, while still setting the tone and expectations and for me I guess for me I can only speak for me with beauty boost but like we I try to give as much as I can and be there so I'm doing one-on-one calls with every city as much as they need which is typically once a week or bi-weekly for me I I have boundaries I'm fine with them but right now as I'm in growth mode I'm fine like them texting me when they need to Um, I'm okay having hard conversations too. I think being a leader is never being passive aggressive, never manipulating, never sending things that should be an actual talk through written word, whether it's an email or a text. I think it needs to be a phone call or face to face. If you have that luxury to be in person and be saying things in a respectful way.
0: Think you hit the nail on the head with that one. No one likes a mean, angry email. I I just I have never understood the purpose of that. And I don't think it benefits anyone. I always have the 24 hour rule if I'm pissed off. Like give yourself 24 hours to calm down before you respond. And when you're a leader, people are looking up and they're driving towards you as the North Star. So I think if you're setting that precedent, it makes it okay for everyone else below you to act like that. So I think that's super important. And you just touched on fast fast growth. What have you learned in that process? That's a very exponential growth into from three cities to 16 cities in a short amount of time. Are there things or advice that you would give to people, maybe things that haven't gone as planned or things on the other side that you want to speak to?
1: Yeah, um, I would say like I didn't have a proper business model set up for it. I was just like, yeah, they want to start in their city. Let's do it um but like understanding when you grow you're going to have a lot more if you're going to do it right you're going to have a lot more costs put into it so for me that's hiring it's back end systems it's my time taken away from running columbus to assist them so that's money taken away um so having like really thinking through uh number one, I'm reading profit first right now. I wish I'd finished the book so I could better talk about this, but I'm in the beginning and he, she just asked people like, okay, why do you want to grow? Why any, why, why, why? why? Yeah. Now, you know, finally, they get to the nitty gritty. And I think our society is all about like, yes, it's great. Thank you. Congratulations. But it shouldn't always be a congratulation. Um, during COVID, my friend, Nicole, that owns a couple of juice bars here, Shutting down two of them. And she's like, I just feel so much more free. Like now I can focus on what I want to. This is great. And I was like, congratulations. Um, so understanding why you want to grow, I mean, I knew my why. Uh, and then two, having a proper financial business model, like, does it make sense? Um, and then three, like, does it align with the life you're trying to create for yourself? So a lot of us become entrepreneurs, I think one of the reasons, anyhow, is because we want to create our own lifestyle and set up our own days and be in charge. And there's a there's funny TikToks right now. It's like, <laughs> I quit my nine to five so I could work 24 seven, Yeah, but it's kind of true. So just thinking through all of that.
0: I don't know if you've read Gina Wickman's books. If you haven't, you would really like it. It talks... I just read the first one. It was like entrepreneur elite, basically understanding if you're an entrepreneur, which figure that one out, but it goes into understanding how big you want to grow because he said a lot of people want to grow to 10 million or 20 million or hundred million, but they don't understand what that sacrifice is. And so I think it would be something I can send you an email after with like his name and stuff, but it's like a four uh, book program that I thought was super interesting because we're all wired. Like we want to be an entrepreneur. We want to have freedom, but you don't realize like the compromises that come with that. Like a hundred million dollar business is huge. Like the sacrifice you have to make, the hiring, the firing. It's so.
1: I actually talked. This guy came up to my co working space today. That was downstairs, and he was just asking me like, "What do I do?" And blah, blah blah. And somehow I forget. It got. He told me the story about a guy who was just like burnt out from the corporate life. He went to Italy, learned how to make pizzas, came back to the states. Started a pizza shop, and he only makes so many pizzas per night. And once they're gone, they're gone. It's like pretty cool because it's it's kind of um, like that excitement. And you can't just get it; you have to like so. And then they sell out like every night. But he doesn't want to work anymore, and he doesn't want to do any more work than that. So he's like, "Yeah, this is enough for me." Whereas, like, he could make probably tons and tons more money, hire a team under him. But but this is just like what he wants to do, and that's success for him. So it's kind of like what you're saying.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting because I think uh, it really is entrepreneurship is a personal development journey. Like you're understanding who you are as a person and what you want and you think, and this is something that has happened to me. I thought I wanted something and then you get it and you're like, is that really what I wanted? And until you take that leap, you just don't know if this is the direction I want to go or do I want to stay stagnant? I just think it's all such a learning process.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: What's next for the beauty boost? What's your vision for the next five? It's everyone's favorite question. What's your five-year plan? Are you going to get married? Are you going to have kids. I mean, my favorite question, not, um, uh, but on a serious note, yeah. What's the vision for a beauty boost over the next three to five years? Yeah,
1: we are trying to actively grow. So all the growth happened kind of at me, I would say. Um, it was, Somebody posted on their Instagram, their friends saw it. They were a great fit. So it was very organic growth. And now we're trying, now that we have better systems set up on the back end, et cetera, um, we're trying to actively grow to 10 more cities. There's two on the way this year. And basically that it's a franchise. So each woman in their city runs and owns it. But we all work very closely as a team. It can be part-time or it can be full-time for them. Um, but really just somebody that want, that loves health and wellness wants to create their own schedule, wants to help other women, um, loves connecting with other people in their city. So that is the kind of the forefront. Um, We're doing some other, like we just launched a new website last night, some little things like that. But uh, I would say really setting up the growth for new cities. Um, For me personally, I'd love to like find somebody that I still want to, Always oversee Columbus, but maybe somebody that can help more with the events in Columbus so that it frees me up to be more remote and just helping the other cities um, on a bigger level.
0: Are you coming to Dallas?
1: Um, people have mentioned it. I've interviewed a couple people there, so I would love to. Really? We're, only, we're in Houston in Texas. That's the only city, but everybody has said Dallas would be a good city for us. So tell all your friends.
0: When did you, how did you know the franchise model was the direction that you wanted to go?
1: Good question. Um, my lawyer, John, who was <laughs> kind of our age, and I was doing a different model actually in the beginning. I was um, kind of like a club style, I guess. I'd probably have way more people, but it was basically just like, hey, you want to do this? Great. We'll give you the resources. You'll get a percentage of all the events. But as we grew, that's very challenging if somebody has to move or gets a new job, I would have to pick up the pieces. So that model just wasn't very helpful. The model now is way better. But basically my lawyer, John said, do you want to be like owning and overseeing all these women or do you want to empower them to have a lifestyle like you have and financial, financially be able to profit like you do? And I was like,
0: I want to do that. So that's, that's how it started. Wow. You seem so nice. I <laughs> you just seem so like gentle and kind hearted, which is so refreshing. Um, a few more questions for you. How has the definition of success changed over the course of your career?
1: Oh, um, I don't know for me, but I, I think it's changed. I think things are going in a good direction in the world in general for this whole shift of remote life and um what do they call it the great something where resignation like, oh, yeah the great resignation not that you should just do that but <laughs> i think people are getting way more not like what can i prove to you but what are you going to offer me mentality um which can be good or bad but i think it's going in a good direction that people are starting to ask themselves more like what do i want what do i want out of life working 70 hours a week isn't okay for me. I want to see my family. I want time for myself. One, one person said, I just want to be home with my dogs more. And I thought that was so funny and cute, but real. Um, so I think for me, I'm trying to actually figuring that out right now. But I always knew success for me was like living my days based on the way I wanted to structure them. And so that hasn't really changed much. But now I think it's just going to be like, how much do I want to work? and what hours throughout the week. And, um, yeah, just kind of figuring out as I go.
0: How do you balance between your personal and a, in your professional life when you're trying to build a business and giving your all to a passion project and advice that you would give for people out there listening? This is a very selfish question because I struggle with this a lot.
1: Well, maybe for you, you feel this way too. Like, maybe after this podcast, you're energized and you're like, that was so fun. I hope. Um, and you're like, cool, I learned some new tips or whatever. For me, it's kind of like the same. Like, the beauty boost and my personal life are weaved. There is no one or the other almost, which maybe some people would say that's bad or good. But everybody is like my friend. I've met all my friends, all the people in my life through the beauty boost. So, um, the speakers, you know, like I'm chatting with them, the people that the freelancer or whatever people that are on my team, I'm friends with them. The women that now own the city is like, we all go on a retreat every year. Like I'm friends with them. Um, the, my coworking space, like usually somehow we like end up doing some kind of collaboration together, the people I meet and work with. And so I get really filled up and energized and fueled from, what I do, it's still stressful. And, you know, like I said, next week, I'm kind of stressed about an event. There's still for sure. That is real, but I also feel very energized and excited and I can partake in a lot of things too. Like we have a fitness meetup this Sunday. Like I'm basically attending my own event sometimes. Um, But balance, I think it's just like what you want that to look like. Like I try to make my mornings a little bit less Boom, 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 go, 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 and take time to walk my dog and whatever. And I try to have nothing planned on the weekends now. Like, I like to have options I can attend, but I don't commit to anything.
0: That's, yeah, I know. I always end up working on the weekends. I haven't quite figured out the balance thing yet, but,
1: <laughs> but I like, so I started doing Sundays where I'll work for like three hours. Yeah, and that's I me. Yeah. But I love it. I think that's fine. It makes me way less anxious during the week and maybe. For me, I'm not like nine to five or these set hours. Um, I'm kind of like always dabbling in and out, especially with event life. So for me, it makes me way less anxious. And maybe you take those hours out of your work week somewhere.
0: For me, it's just, and this has been my biggest kind of pain point with the corporate world, is that I know when I'm most productive and I think when you're stuck into a nine to five model, you're forcing hours when someone might not be most productive. It's like, I can get so much work done from seven or eight o'clock till two. And then after that, I'm kind of tuned out. So what's the, you know what I mean? I understand there's more to it, whatever they're paying me for those hours, but that's just been my biggest things. Like I know when I'm super productive and when I can get a lot done. And then after that, it's like, huh, I'm tuned out. Yeah.
1: And if they were a good and smart leader, they would ask you, or you could be feel free to tell them, and then you'd actually do better, more productive work for them. But instead, they're just you know structure, yeah, their rules.
0: Where can everyone find you? So if they're listening to this podcast or in Columbus, I know I still have a base there. Where can people find the Beauty Boost? Pimp yourself out.
1: Um, I think the best place is our website. So okay. no matter what city you're in or whatever, the BeautyBoost.net. And the next step would be to enter your email. I know, like, oh, enter my email. But um, every Monday we send like an inspirational blog that also lists the events and happenings, and we do have virtual things too. So even if we're not in your city yet, there's like the manifestation event last week was on Zoom with about eighty five women signed up, and um, virtual wasn't my favorite thing ever, yeah. but you can still partake, and then you can see the cities we're in and join that way. Um, But if you're like, absolutely not, I do not want emails, then just Instagram. If we're in a city, you're in um, the main Instagram that I run is the Beauty Boost.
0: Okay. I'll put all of that in the notes section of this episode. And my last two final questions for you. The first one is leave the audience with two to three last pieces of advice, whether it's business or it's professional or business or personal rather.
1: Two to three pieces. I kind of just think it's like a, a mashup of the things I've said, but um, I think the biggest, the big thing I keep seeing, you know, sometimes you can see what someone's life could be, but they're just not living it. I feel that way a lot when I talk to people that like that lawyer gal. Um, ironically, I had another lawyer girl at one of my retreats and she was talking about how she just wishes she could be home with her kids more and go part time. And I said, why can't you? And she said, well, then I wouldn't be able to afford the house I'm in. And the same thing, almost to a T. And I was like, well, could you downsize? You know, at the end of life, like, are you going to be happier that you had the big house or that you had time with your kids growing up? Um, so, but I think that a lot of us like feel it and then we push it down. And so if you're not with people that will call you out or are living life aligned to their soul, then it's going to be very, even more challenging. So I think that's why it all goes together, but um, really just listening to yourself, however you do that, whether it's journaling, prayer, talking to people, a walk. I think that's the biggest thing ever. And um, the other is just kind of what we've talked about throughout this is just having good quality friends Um, Being around people that are doing the things you want to do, and just taking in any content that helps you.
0: Do you struggle with believing the best in people? That's my biggest struggle. Is like kind of what you like. Oh yeah, I've definitely gotten burned, burned by that, burned by that, and by that. I'm a little more
1: cautious now, but I still, I don't want to be like the word cynical. I mix up my words a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be like yeah. a Debbie Downer or think, yeah, I want to stay positive and like that, but also be realistic
0: and smart about things too. That's, I That's had, it wasn't a coach, had, it was, but it was, um, someone told me and they basically were like, I have a feeling that you look and see the best in people. And then you push them to their boundaries. And my mentor always says, you can't get someone you can't force someone or whatever it is to do something that they really don't want to do even if you think that they could do that and it was such a great piece of advice because I feel like I believe in people and when people come to me like that I have so many people that come to me and they're like I wish this or I want to do this and I'm like why don't you do it and they're like but this 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 and it's like you can't keep believing in people that don't want the same thing for their for themselves so I struggle with that all the time and then I'm the one that gets sad and it's like it's not your life but I yeah.
1: I think that's really normal.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely hard. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. I appreciate your time and all of the knowledge and wisdom that you gave to the audience. And the final question that I ask every single person that's on this podcast is, Rachel, what are you grateful for today?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, there's so many things, but uh, I try to like think about this stuff throughout the day. Um, but I think just the fact that I have been able to build this, um, that I get to work with cool people, that my family is like really supportive, you know, just overall, the big things like that.
0: That's good. And I am grateful for my family as well. My mom is going to another doctor. So we are hopeful that all around health comes to her in the month of April and so on. So thank you all for tuning in to yet another episode of the pop podcast and we'll see you all next Monday.